Hello, and welcome to Dig It. I'm Peter Brown, and hosting the show with me today is Chris Day. Hi, Chris. Hi, Peter. Wow, July in the garden. It's been a hot one, hasn't it, Peter? Hasn't it been glorious? Yeah, yeah. I think um, the reservoirs are running a bit low, although we had a ferocious sort of hailstorm mm. the other day here at Buckingham. It was amazing. Indeed. I'd, such a long... Well, our reservoir that we collect the water from the garden centre watering in mm-hmm. went up a metre. Really, in that day? In, in that, just that... Well, sort of, I think it was about hour. half an hour, yeah, an hour yeah, of it was, just torrential rain. And yeah, the, yeah. the reservoir rose about a whole yeah. metre. So yeah. I was quite yeah, no, was. quite surprised by that. Indeed. Anyway. And in, in my little world, hay fever, of course, is, <laughs> the pollen levels have been horrendous. Anybody who mm. suffers from grass allergens especially will be... Uh, I, have, I have your sympathy because it's been quite bad over the last uh, week or so. As we go into July, hopefully it's going to hopefully improve calm a little down bit. A bit. Yeah, but yeah I, know, I know what you mean. Your eyes yeah. feel a little bit oh. puffy. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not, not good. Thankfully, not I good. don't suffer from it too much, but I know yeah. exactly what you mean. Indeed. But anyway, mm. what's been going on or what what is going on should well, i ask Chris? indeed yeah well peter it's again july yet another busy month three big big shows uh, yep. to look forward to uh, over the 4th to the 9th of july we've got of course hampton court garden festival okay. uh, at the wonderful palace over in, in surrey there so i know it's it's the go-to place i've i went in the very first year of its existence going back okay. into the, and it was amazing and it still is it's just such a wonderful backdrop and if you want to have a picnic in a wonderful setting and look at lovely plants and gardens that's where you should go i think this this summer realistically it's a, it's a great great uh, event Excellent. and then on the 15th and 16th of july uh belvoir uh castle hosts uh, a flower and garden show that's over in grantham in lincolnshire and again yep. it's got lots of garden designs talks uh, usual sort of you know sculptural artists nurseries everything you need in one place that's a nice uh, smaller weekend event and then and then another rhs flower show if we hadn't had enough at the beginning of the month we've got one over the 19th to the 23rd of july and of course that's the rhs garden show at tatton park near nutsford yes so the rhs are really Mm. they have a busy couple of months don't they chelsea and then hampton court then tatton park Mm. yeah and they i mean these these two are are, well certainly the 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 hampton court is certainly the you know the the sort of jewel in the crown i would say but you know tatton has been doing doing well it's quite a relatively new show it's been going for probably just over 10 years now so it's it's now well established Mm. uh, as well yeah Mm, so and i guess their rival is the gardener's world show isn't it that's That's just Fin- is mm. it just finished? It has, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. The NEC. Now, yeah. a friend mm. of mine went there and mm. he was really impressed. His second year running. And okay. he, he thinks the show gardens there are amazing. And I think you, you were saying, uh, have they combined it with the good food show now? That's it. It's sort of, yeah, so your ticket gets into both of the, the, the shows. So good okay. value for money, uh, certainly. And if you're interested, well, if you're a gardener, you're going to be interested in food. And if you're yeah. a foodie, you want to know where it's come from. So it does Definitely both Definitely would. I, I know my friend had some nut cheese forced in in front of him and <laughs> okay. he on, on a stick. And he's like, mm. he, he's a vegan, so he wasn't too offended by no. it. But equally... <laughs> Uh, our experiences of eating nut cheese so far haven't been that great. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know if you've ever tried it. I've never tried it. No, no, no. Mm, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'd say try it just because I, I'm is one it? of those people who likes to try everything. But yeah. honestly, Chris, no. I haven't tried a nice one yet. Oh, okay. So <laughs> definitely had a quiet taste by definitely. the sounds of it. But yeah, I, I mean, the, the, the show at the NEC, though, mm. they, they take over the sort of... Now, let me get this right. It's 
Is it Hall 11 to 19? There's sort of, there's like the that. horseshoe bit with like the pavilion and mm-hmm. it's got a lot more outside sort of area of and space out there, hasn't yeah. it? So yeah, to, to host the all sh- the gardens. Yeah. yeah, the show gardens are all outside. Yeah, from, indeed. From what I've seen. Indeed. And, and of course, our uh, our good friend Nick Hamilton was, was at the show and uh, obviously he created a wonderful garden, which I've seen some pictures of and it looks great to obviously yeah, celebrate. it's his 40th anniversary. That's isn't correct. It? And that's why he was there. So. Yes, yeah. So uh, yeah, it was a, there, was a, there was a big four sort of uh, cast out on the on the design and obviously lots of lovely plants and I think there's a lot of plants looking at drought tolerance as well so okay. in view of the weather that's probably very well timed as well yeah yeah because my lawn is looking a bit mm. I haven't mown it for I'm gonna say three weeks now okay just because I thought it's dry I'm not gonna water it I'm just gonna leave it yeah and to be fair it's Still looking green, yes, but yeah. I am a little bit concerned that if it doesn't rain soon, mm, it's going to go around. Prop, it's going to. But don't they say, uh, yeah, don't they say, Peter? You know, the the lawn is the first thing to go brown, but it is the first thing to go green when we do get some rain. So it's not the end of the world. It's 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 what it is, isn't it? It's a very resilient perennial plant. So um, yeah, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it'll, it'll it come back. Yeah, it'll come back soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I suppose one one thing which. The Gardens World Show did highlight was, of course, the uh, the Peter Seabrook Award, which we mentioned in the last podcast, and uh, for the the search for the best new plant, okay, and that was pick, been picked up by a variety called Rose Peters Persica, which is bred by Chris Warner, and it's going to be introduced by Wharton's Roses. Now, of course, Wharton's were on our podcast a, a couple of years ago, yeah, yeah. and uh, we'll obviously have that uh, available hopefully this autumn or certainly next next summer as well. So it's a lovely rose. Um, it's a yellow one with a mm. sort of what would you say ready yeah. sort of centre almost That's so it. A, a, yeah. a, do you call those bicolours sort of yeah it's a bicolour it's i think persian roses have that that sort of yeah that sort of quality isn't it they also have okay. that sort of two-tone yeah. colour foot form but it looked beautiful and uh, obviously well deserved so that got a obviously a lot of awards there and also the jeff hamilton award for the best Floor marquee went to a, a nursery called Grafton Nurseries, and they had a, an amazing display of eucalyptus. Again, if climate change is okay. anything to go by, we'll probably be, might be planting a few of those well, in I the years. I do like the sort of grey, silvery leaves mm. of eucalyptus, and it's got such a lovely smell as well. Fantastic! It? It's one of yeah. those. I mean, at the moment, obviously, all the roses are in flower, mm. and I always like just walking over here to the Morven buildings today. They, yeah. They've yeah. got some lovely red roses that are in flower, and you yeah. just walk past them. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's lovely, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, if you're a hay fever suffer perhaps not, not so good on the Sorry, perfume yeah. but no the perfume of them is amazing so yeah a lot, a lot of good good feedback from Gardner's World Live so uh, uh, yeah so that's that's all good good for, for maybe we should have a look and see if we can go next year Chris yeah it'd be nice to have a little mooch round wouldn't it and, uh, see proper if report spot. back yeah let's do something a bit more investigative perhaps yeah brilliant good stuff so in the news at the moment I see King Charles has been over in Ireland He's got a coronation garden over there, and mm. they open that. And obviously, there's lots of royal plantings being done this year. I think the sort of red, white, and blue themes are Most prevalent definitely. in a lot of bedding displays. Mm. I know certainly one down in Wadston hit the news recently about their royal cipher displays in carpet bedding. That uh, that sounds mm. really interesting, and. There's quite a few new gardens opening, aren't there, Chris? There, there is, Peter. Yeah, there's quite a lot going on, really. Um, so going back to the um, the King Charles, this one in in um, Ireland, it's um, designed by Chelsea gold medalist Dermot Gavin, obviously well known on the TV. Uh, okay, yeah. A lot of stuff over the years, and he's created this amazing garden. They spent a lot of time 
formulating it, and it's he describes it as being quite whimsical uh, sort of garden, but it, it looks looks great, and uh, it has lots of you know quintessential elements. It has topiary and all the other elements as well. So. Uh, I think it, it sounded like a, a very good uh, good day, and obviously it's uh, it's going to be open to the public uh, as and well. That's they can in, visit, yeah, is it County Antrim? County Antrim, yes. It's uh, yeah, a, a Hazel, yeah, a Hazel Bank, Hazel Park, Bank, Bank Park, Park, and that's so, yeah. in Newton Abbey. That's it. Yep. So, so one to look out for in, in, in if you're visiting. Indeed, Ireland, yeah, that'd be a nice place to go, isn't it? That's right. And um, like you were saying. Peter's lots of other ones are, are sort of new gardens sort of coming to to light now. There's a formal retreat which was laid bare, which is now being reopened to, to the public, and that's down in in Devon. Uh, mm, the pictures look amazing. Mm. So sort of lovely. Uh, so sort of almost conjures up sort of those ruins in jungles with all the that's vines right. and what have you yes. uh, from the images I've seen of it. I, I would yeah. almost be expecting Indiana Jones to, to exactly, walk around the corner. Yeah, that's yeah. It. Yeah. a big <laughs> python or something to <laughs> come out the it's side. Devon, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so this is a major work, and it's obviously been started, uh, you know, over a, over a number of times. It's obviously had quite a lot of money. It's been a three-year project, and obviously it's sold. It's a grade-listed three um, uh, property as well. So obviously they've had to keep in with the rules too. But it does look amazing. It's going to be open to the public by appointments uh, right through to October. Um, okay. So, one to look out for. We'll put the links on the uh, on the on the show notes to that as well. Yeah, that's um, the Great Ambrook in Devon. In Devon, that's indeed. a posh name, but I like the chap who designed its name. He's called George George. Oh yes, of course. That's yeah, yes. He was a yeah. Well, he was, yeah, yeah, was a brilliant <laughs> name. Yeah, you're not going to forget his surname <laughs> or your Christian name. <laughs> that's good. And then um, yeah, moving to the capital. Um, mm. This is quite interesting, isn't it, Peter? Um, so, it's a brilliant idea, mm. I think. Yeah, lovely. I mean, there are so many secret gardens. I can remember many years ago, I heard about the Kensington Roof Gardens mm. that unfortunately shut now. But yeah, that was one of those, you know, back in the 80s, that was the place to be seen, wasn't Almost it? But equally, yes. for those that didn't know, it, it was a lovely, great garden bar and nightclub, I think, up was, on the yes. top floor of some houses in Kensington, and yeah, nice yeah really, and they have flamingos, didn't they? They but did, yes, yeah, beautifully. There, there, there's out. some other secret gardens that don't get opened up very often, and that's some of these have been found and opened up. Mm. They? So this is all part of the um, London Historic Parks and Gardens Trust charity. So if you go to their their website, you'll get all the details. But they include very formal squares, which you often see in, in London, temporary rooftop terraces uh, with city views as well as community allotments and wildlife havens. So a real diverse mix of, of green spaces to explore. So, yeah, mm. that could keep you nice and busy through the rest of the summer, I'm sure. And then finally on the new new gardens, one we, we reported back uh, last month, uh, which is all part of the, uh, the, the charity um, perennial, um, which is, of course, the Rushton Old Vicarage Gardens, which was, has been bequeathed to the charity. Now we've got another another one uh, from the renowned uh, historian uh, and generally nice chap, Sir Roy Strong. Um, obviously a great garden innovator, 
Um, yep. quite, quite outspoken, actually, in gardening terms. He was quite forthright uh, in the in the eighties and nineties when all these gardening makeover programs came on the TV. I remember him voicing his and airing his concerns that you know gardens are not you know for forty eight hours they're for life. His his yep. sort of motto. But his his own garden is now bequeathed to the charity, so you can actually visit there uh, mm. Tuesdays and Thursdays until the end of October. Okay. And um, yeah, it sounds a really good value as well. So yeah, one to put on the list if you want to see a really historic, quintessential garden. Well, uh, the images I can see look mm. sort of quite formal. Yes, and yeah. very. I mean, it says that the garden influences include Hidcot Manor and the Cotswolds and mm. former gardens of Tudor and Stuart England. Yes, so yeah, lots I, of box. I, I think it's going to be <laughs> yeah. lots of straight lines, but I yes, so. and very ornate toperies. Yeah. I'm and guessing. That, indeed, please. And when you look at the picture there, there's a, a, a decorative spiral staircase mm. in the middle of the garden. So obviously a wonderful viewing point. But hey, you know that's his obviously his art and crafts. He was uh, involved in the uh, Victorian Albert museum for many many years as their sort of chief curator wasn't he so he obviously has embellished the arts to to create a, a wonderful garden brilliant probably worth a visit then most definitely good stuff and thinking of lavender hidcut mm. it's a lovely purple flower as is buddleia which yes. i grew very well in one of my gardens it just grows like a weed it's brilliant it's sort of in my first it, house in northampton it, mm-hmm. i had a little it started as a small bush and it got bigger and it got bigger <laughs> and i used to chop it back and it used to grow back but yeah. it was always covered in butterflies and That's, i think yeah. they're lovely when you see them flying around and mm. it's um i think one of the well, in in this news article about the fact that mm. gardens are safe havens for butterflies, they are. We're doing a lot, aren't we? And uh, yeah, so this this article in Garden News sort of highlights the the fact that the trend is definitely upward. Hopefully, I mean these sort of summers we we experienced last year, and obviously we're experiencing this year are probably good news for butterflies. There's plenty yeah. of nectar around, and that's going to keep things moving along. And they were saying that numbers of marble whites and large skips have grown 200%. You know, they've they've moved up the uh, the rankings quite, quite well. So that's all good mm. news. And I think it's probably a, a reminder, Peter, that this is a really good time if you if you want to make your garden even more butterfly-friendly to, yeah, to start popping in some new plants through the, through the summer months. Because you'll probably yep. buy them in flower, so they'll instantly become a magnet to, to your local some butterfly more. population. Yeah, some more butterflies. No, I think that, yeah, the, the cabbage white is mm. another one that I see flying well, around yes, a fair yeah, bit yeah, in the allotment. Indeed, but. yeah. So make sure you net all your crops quickly. Make sure your netting is is well away from your your crop because you know what they're like they they're opportunists aren't they they'll land on your netting and then yeah 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 nice. but uh, yeah. but certainly yeah if you if you're thinking about buying plants then obviously all the new, new varieties of budley is available now but there's such a wide range some of the dwarf varieties are really good if you've only yeah, got I think a, that probably no, I wish mm. mine had been a dwarf because mine yes. was a standard sort of rogue. Seedling that, that, yeah, that just grew, but yeah. it did. The butterflies loved it, and to be fair, I didn't mind cutting oh. it back every now and again. It was um, a nice, easy plant to grow. Yeah, I must admit, I've, I've one of my buddleys uh, I haven't chopped back. It's white profusion, which is the white flowered one, and I forgot to cut it back. And it's now probably a good eight foot, and it's going to be probably twelve <laughs> foot. So, um, but hey, you know, it's it's what it is. It's That's not the end it. of the world. Um, but certainly you have uh, Fabina bonineris and obviously uh, your perennial wallflowers and your marjoram, your herb marjoram, great yep. to, to attract them into the into the plot. And of course you can do that in just pots. If you haven't got the space to put into your borders, then you know, just a few pots can do do the trick. Brilliant. Good stuff. 
And another wildlife-related article I saw was um, the disappearing stag beetle. Mm. So that's... No, it's been dis- been getting in the news, i say, over the last few years. It yeah. keeps on obviously declining. Um, but they're on the hunt for it again, aren't they, Chris? Who's, who's yes. Who, who do we need to help out this time? Yeah, so it's the, it's the wildlife charity, um, the People's Trust of Endangered Species. Uh, that's P-T-E-S. And they're looking for volunteers in certain, I think, certain counties because they haven't got the data to build a picture of how the numbers are declining. I think that's the mm. thing, isn't it? I don't think we, we know the whole picture. Well, yeah, and there's mm. a couple of counties quite local to us. So Northamptonshire and Bedfordshire, mm-hmm. they haven't got much many stati- statisticians mm-hmm. recording for them. So I if did. you do want to get involved, yeah. have a look on their web- website, pties.org forward slash... G-S-H. That's it, yep, yep. And that is, I'm guessing, stands for The Great Stag Hunt. Yes, yes, it's a great title, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah, that's good. And something you could do through the summer months, especially we've got the summer holidays, obviously, looming. It's nice mm. to get the, get the children well, I don't involved. think I've ever seen one in the wild, have you? No, I've, no, I haven't. I've, I've seen, seen pictures of them, but yeah. I've never seen one. No, I think I'd remember if I'd seen one, actually. It would, it'd probably leave a indelible memory <laughs> yeah, on, your, on your mind but no let's uh, well let's try, let's try and help the pts with their uh, their great stack their hunt mm. yeah that's it and i guess well the scots have hit the news haven't they they have yes mm. possibly not going to be following the peat ban yeah so there's obviously lots of news coming out about the, the peat ban but this is this, well it's yeah, really yeah. interesting because there's you know, so one article i read about how they reckon there'll be millions of plants plant mm. shortages yes, if they which, do bring the ban forwards in England. Yep. And the Welsh are, as far as I know, currently joining in with the peat ban, but I don't I think they might be sticking to the original time scale. Yes. I've, and now the Scots are going well, to be a bit slower. Yes, indeed. So <laughs> yes, it's it's a shame because if the Scottish government are going to do this, there's gonna be a lot of uh, well, there's a lot of confusion, I think, in the in the garden mm. trade, uh, especially if if they're producing plants which they're going to export to the rest of the UK. I'm sure they do grow lots of heathers and uh, ericaceous plants and such like, which will will find their way down here. Um, Most definitely, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I know the the HTA, uh, obviously the Horticultural Trade Association, which of course we're we're a member, obviously very concerned about this because it's going to cause problems uh, long term. And of course, that hundred million plants you mentioned. Is more worrying, isn't it? And the, the well, that's the yeah. I mean, yeah. I think as we're sort of finding out, the general public are moving over onto mm. more and more peat-free compost, which I think is a great sort of step in the right direction. But obviously, if commercial growers are still going to be using it in yes. Europe, yeah, well. <laughs> That's yeah. going to be one thing. And then, obviously, now if mm. Scotland's also going to go, well, mm. the mm. English growers are just going to either move to Scotland or <laughs> yeah. go Not over to bad, Amsterdam and uh, yeah. or Holland or something. And, yeah, yeah. It, it just makes it a yeah. bit of a, yeah, a, bit of a minefield, strange really, situation, yeah. shall we say. Yeah, And I mean, the thing is, I think, Peter, as well, isn't it, if, if the Dutch were to be stopped from sending up their houseplants, which are obviously... Probably ninety nine percent of them are, are grown in peat, apart from probably orchids, which are grown in bark. That would have a major implication on what garden centres and supermarkets and DIY stores can sell as mm-hmm. houseplants. I think that would have a major impact, uh, you know, financial across all all sectors of the market. And of course, our love affair continues with houseplants, so hopefully they will see some sense and uh, not uh, not go down that route. Mm. 
Well, and I suppose the other thing is the ericaceous issue. Indeed. Is that we're going to talk in a minute about the fact that some people are having great successes now mm-hmm. with uh, certain peat-free composts. But yeah. as far as we know, mm-hmm. there's major issues with ericaceous yeah. composts. That's right. That's... That peat-free ones just haven't mm-hmm. really started working yet. They're, they're still working hard at it, but mm-hmm. none of the commercial suppliers that we use uh, have really got a proper decent one yet no no um, and, and that's not despite trying all the different options out there they've had plenty of time to experiment with the you know the commercial peat free options but if they're not working and they're growing their crops of plants um glandike um nurseries were in the news a, a week or two ago peter because they're really concerned because they produce rhododendrons and azaleas mm. uh, across the whole trade and they're they're at a wit's end at the moment because they can't find anything suitable to grow their plants in once Pete is banned. So, yeah, a major wor- yeah, worry. Well, so. some, it's going to have a big impact, and yeah, mm. we'll see what happens. Indeed. Though. We'll Indeed. see. And the other article that caught our eye in the news was um, this rare Dendrophylax lindenii, which mm. is, what, what sort of rare plant is that, Chris? <laughs> it's, it's common name you'll be pleased to hear, is the Florida ghost orchid. Okay. Uh, native of, of US and Cuba. Yeah. And... It's blossomed for the first time at the uh, the the Royal Botanic Gardens at Kew, obviously in London. Um, what a what a feat! How, how long has it been there, Chris? Uh, probably about two weeks. Wow! Um, <laughs> they, they've obviously cared for it incredibly well in that time, and obviously nurtured it through its life. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we we we, we slightly jest, but the, the news story is a little bit fraught, isn't it? It was flown yeah. over to, uh, from the into the UK from Chicago, uh, literally a few weeks ago. With buds on it to flower, yeah, ready Chelsea, to flower. Yeah, at the Chelsea Flower Show. So yes, it's been a, a bit of a globe, globe traveller, hasn't it? Because yes. it started life in the University of Florida in 2014, mm-hmm. and then it went to Chicago, where it obviously was grown into a proper plant and indeed bought into bud. Yep, and then, like you say, bought out for flowering at the Chelsea Flower Show. So uh, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it's one of those stories where you, you know, you, it's great. Conservation is a brilliant thing. We to, we're to encourage it. It's a great sick story. But however, yeah, it's 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 route to get it into the news pages is a little bit, uh, uh, a little bit uh, interesting, shall we say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, that's a good way of saying it, Chris. <laughs> that's it. And we've got some peat-free test results, haven't we? Now we have. This is. I found this really interesting because the feedback I've been getting from so many people is that. The, the peat-free composts are really hard to water. Mm. But this one sort of... maybe. Well, I guess it's not they're hard to water. They're hard to get the watering right because they dry out, and then once they dry out, they're really hard to re-wet, That's I suppose, correct. is yes, the feedback, yeah. isn't yeah. it, that yeah. we've been getting. But this is a positive mm. article, isn't it? It is. It's in um, Amateur Gardening magazine, and they're doing, obviously, a, a consumer testing and... Um, yeah, basically they've looked at two products, two products we sell at the Garden Centre here, and which are you know freely available. Uh, that's Delfoot, uh, which is obviously a compost which has uh, um, it's, it's made up of bracken and wool, isn't it? That's its main mm. ingredients. Yeah. And also, of course, the the Silvergrow um, multi-purpose compost too, which of course is based on coir and wood chip and fine bark. So two different ingredients 
to, to put side by side. So mm. that in itself is quite a good thing. But I think uh, Ruth, who conducted the, the trials, said that the uh, she had a cut one mishap and she potted some Nicotiana seedlings into the Delphoot potting compost and it was too strong. Yep. So that's interesting in itself. Um, I mean, that can happen to any compost. I mean, anti-rhinum seedlings are notorious for, for damping off if you put them in too strong a compost. So um, strong meaning too much fertiliser? Too much fertiliser, yes, okay. yeah. Um, probably too much nitrogenous fertiliser as well, so that yep. tends to scorch the roots and that obviously causes the plants to, to top over. over. And look, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, whereas obviously other plants have done well. But yeah, it's it's good that both have done well in, in general seed germination. Um, and of course, there's some, yeah, there's some photographs showing some really nice tomato plants growing in the Dell football compost as well when they've moved on. So maybe it is to do with the species. You know, some plants might obviously fare better, but then that could be said about peat-based compost as well. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, I mean, it's, this is a, probably not very scientific in that respect, but hey, you know, we've got to go somewhere with well, getting advice. Well, any tests are good, aren't yeah. they, at the end of the Indeed. day? It gives yeah. us some feedback. And, yeah. Um, the, yeah, like I said, the thing that I found really interesting was the fact that the... Delphit in particular, mm. it was found to need less water. Yes. So it's holding the water better than peat Hence, compost. that's why on one of the pictures it's captioned that uh, hanging basket plants seem to do well because of that water moisture retention. So for that reason, mm. if you're thinking about planting up you, you know, some late uh, summer baskets at this time of year, well, yeah. Delphit might be the way to go um, to see that's how it fares. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And B&Q are in the news for... Well, they're going a bit green, aren't they? It's good yes, to hear. it is. Yeah, so they're launching this uh, Mama Terra uh, brand, which is part of Verve, which if you're customers to B&Q, you're familiar with the name Verve. It's their sort of own brand compost. Okay. They're, however, they're going over to uh, more natural products, obviously more organic or green rather than moving away from the synthetic chemicals which of course uh, has, has obviously been a bit of a blight on the on the landscape and cool. obviously on the back of this they're obviously promoting no dig gardening which of course is something we've we've done a little bit on the podcast with our guest charles dowding uh, a number of months ago so he explained the process and yeah. basically yeah it uh, was a really interesting podcast i did enjoy that yeah i must admit i i was inspired to try it but i haven't actually well I've, i made my compost bin and mm. I was, it's about half full now excellent um but i was hoping to steal some compost from the garden center and haven't got around to doing that okay. yet so <laughs> okay. but maybe maybe soon i'll start the trying that out but yeah i think no dig gardening yeah. i know reading the allotment newsletter there's a mm-hmm. couple of people on the allotments that do it and one of them's got six compost bins wow just to do one allotment wow and <laughs> she, she's that's... worked out that's how many she needs to do it so it does yeah. require a bit of space to yeah. collect all the organic matter but she loves it because she has a bad back and doesn't like doing too much sort of physical, physical. work Perfect. but finds that the no dig gardening is the way forward so yep. yeah if you haven't listened to the episode go back in it through our timeline and you'll find it and Indeed. it's a and, uh, definitely inspiring podcast to listen to most definitely and of course the whole no, no dig method it basically is all about building up layers of, of organic matter on top of each other isn't it so mm. you're physically not having to to dig at all so um yeah and obviously they this particular products they're bringing out will allow you to do just that so uh, yeah brilliant good stuff we'll get and a story close to my heart. Well, I had some this morning with my breakfast. Oh, beans. Beans, yes. Um, we're talking baked beans, I hope. Baked beans, yes. yes. Haricot beans. Haricot beans, yes. The chaps up in 
Lincolnshire. Mm-hmm. Is it university or? Uh, it's Warwick, I think it's Warwick, Warwick University, university have developed them, haven't they? That's they've, it. they've got a new variety of haricot bean yeah. that's going to grow in the UK. Which is amazing because I didn't realise that they are imported from everywhere and everywhere, um, halfway around the world, mm. to be processed into our favourite baked beans. So, uh, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's really good news, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you think all the different types of beans we can grow in this country. Mm, yes. And yet the ones that we... I don't know. Do we eat more... I, I'm, I'm going to guess that we eat more baked beans than any other sort of bean in this country. I would have thought so, yes. Yeah, and literally. yet we import them all. So Indeed, this, this yeah. could be great news for the English farmers because I know you get field beans mm. and for, for, they for, feed the cattle with those. Right. So yes. hopefully we can get a crop like this that yeah. they can grow that's... a got a yeah. bit more value and will mm. do better in the British yeah. farms. So and and reading the, the news piece, it's a, it's a twel- this has been a 12-year project, so it's been a labour of love, Peter, hasn't it? Um, mm. And obviously they've had to develop a bean which will be more, you know, more inclement with our, well, more pra- durable in our obviously unpredictable climate. So it matures yep. hopefully uh, early part of August, so next month. Um, uh, last year's uh, attempts were slightly faulted by the hot summer. Let's hope yeah. that doesn't happen okay. this year. Um, but who who knows? But it's going to be good. So you know the prospects of having you know UK grown British baked, baked beans, beans on well, toast. We could, yeah, hey, that would be nice. Uh, it would be good, and especially if the tomatoes are grown it, in this country as it, well. And yes, uh, that needs to happen, really, doesn't it? And yeah. the sugar from the sugar beet. Well, we grow lots of that. So we that do, thank be a goodness. Problem, but yes. Yeah. yeah. We were, the only one we did struggle with is where's the tin coming from to make yeah. the tin cans? Yeah, that used to be Cornwall, but maybe not so much these days. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> they're buying that in. So, well, hey, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, maybe it's recycled. Yeah, maybe they, it is. They, yes. could, they yeah. could make the tins out of recycled oh, metal. They could there use re- you know, maybe recycled plastic, as sometimes they, I know. I know oh, yeah. You, is right, you're is you're is buying that. posh beans if you're getting yours in plastic yeah. jars, Chris. You, yeah, you, don't you, buy posh beans. Or maybe they could put them in glass jars and then that's, that way that's even better yeah we could not? recycle that that's brilliant yeah, yeah. good stuff okay chris well i guess bedding season sort of drawing to a close now although everything's out and in flower it's, looking great but it's looking really good at the moment isn't it everything color wise and hanging baskets are, are dripping with color and, yeah uh, yeah so we've um We've looked at the, the statistics of our six-pack bedding pizza. Okay, so we've got top five bestsellers mm. this year, have we? Yeah, indeed, and I'll do them in, in reverse order, if I, Brilliant. If I may. Uh, number five, uh, a popular classic, Antirrhinums. The Snapdragon. Indeed. Yes. Great for children. I yep. love used, no, I, I used to love playing with the flowers. My mother wasn't quite so keen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you push the sides and they go... <laughs> yeah, they open up. Yeah, yeah so yeah, ch- children of all ages, perhaps. Yeah, that's certainly <laughs> good. Uh, number four, we've got Petunia Mixed. Okay. Which is, which is good. And number three... Lobelia trailing, okay. Which now yeah. I love a. It's a great hanging basket addition around mm. the edges, isn't it? It just yes. goes and goes and goes. It yes, it's flowers a, forever. It is, yeah. The, the true spiller plant for your, your container display, and uh, yeah, and then at number two we've got geranium. This is pelagonium. Let's get them correct. Deep red, so right? Yes, okay, the bedding geranium. Yeah, and at number one, geranium white. Pelagonium. Wow. White. So, so you've got a red, white, and blue. So maybe the public have been yes inspired by the royals, and yeah, we're yeah. all having 
nice royal colours for our bedding displays. It would be interesting to see if there's any you know nice regimented uh, red, white, and blue displays around the, the towns and villages where you live. But no, mm. it, it's an indication. But uh, brilliant, yeah, a, a good, good old a good, a good old spring uh, for, for for sales of, of bedding plants. Long may it continue. Nice one. Thanks, Chris. And I guess it's that time in the show where we move on to the job list. Yes. What jobs have you got for us this month well, then, we, Chris? We, we, Other than watering, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> watering and, and feeding, of course, are going to be high priorities. Um, yeah. But let's start, you know, in the flower garden. My, my alliums have been good this year, Peter. Okay. They've been, been really good. Um, some of them I potted into pots and didn't plant out because I hadn't got the time. I flowered beautifully in their little 10 centimetre pots, so I've got a, a job there. But of course it's the flower seed heads which we, we, we often think about what we should do with those. And right, uh, yeah. A lot of people use them for, for cut decoration for Christmas uh, and it's just timely advice. If you're going to do that, then you need to be detaching them from the main plant, turning them upside down, letting the seeds dry and then of course harvesting the seeds takes about three, four years to get an allium from seed, so it's a time-consuming bit. But then you've got, you've got right. that wonderful seed head that you can then use for Christmas decorations later on in the year. Mm, that's good. And just thinking about seeds, and I mean, when we spoke to Charles Dowding, mm. he was on about recycling and basically saving his his seed and the Indeed. fact that he got massive success about with that. Yeah. And now this year I was a bit sad. I couldn't get the courgette i grew a round green courgette okay. um, a couple of years ago and it was an amazing flavor mm-hmm. so this year i've grown some from seed right. and they're called eight ball right. and i'm hoping it's the same variety but I've got a horrible feeling it won't be so it okay. might not be quite the same flavor i'm looking for but mm-hmm. if i want to save the seed from a courgette do i just basically pull the seeds out of my standard sort of two three inch courgette or do i need to leave them mm. to grow a bit longer because just yeah. thinking like the the standard shaped courgette yeah I, I i cut them when they're yeah about 10 centimeters long yeah, so and when they're tiny mm-hmm. and small because mm-hmm. i always think they're so much sweeter Indeed. but then you go on holiday and you come back and they're three foot long. They're a marrow, well, well, yeah. They're two foot long, aren't they? Uh, they are, um, yeah. Are they going to give me better seeds I if I do leave them? I would personally, I would leave them, let them mature to their norm, their, their normal size. So okay, so uh, get them to properly grow out yeah, then to the point where they'll start to go yellow. Yeah, and then yeah, once yeah, they start they to do. yellow, then I would detach it from the the plant, so all the energy then goes into your other. Uh, courgettes you're trying to to develop um you want okay. to because obviously it's going to take a, it's going to sap a lot of the energy out of the plant by doing that but that's the that's the trade-off i suppose isn't it um and then obviously then cut the uh the, the, the what will be effectively a small marrow uh, yep. and obviously expose the seed day days like today in, in, in you know the, the height of summer dry the seeds off on the windowsill or okay so basically what is just split the mm. sort of like the mar- marrow courgette in half that's it do you scoop the seeds out I would scoop, or would yes. you leave them in the... Um, I think I'd probably scoop them out, maybe leave them for a day or two just to sort of to dry up a little bit so they come away yep. from the flesh a little okay. bit easier and then use a, a bit of a scoop, um, something like I mean, something like an ice cream scoop would be would be good, I yeah, suppose, yeah. and then put those on to some kitchen paper to, to dry out uh, for okay. probably a, maybe about a week, no more than that, because you don't want to see... Because you're going to get thousands you of are. seeds, aren't you, you out of one courgette? You're going to get plenty, yes. So, uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> more than, probably more than ample. Um, and and do you have to worry about like it being pollinated? Because I mean, obviously, you get the flower 
and mm. then that develops into the courgette. Now, do courgettes need so pollinating? So long as the pollen comes from the same plant or from the, the same variety you've got growing next to it. So if you're growing a couple of this particular variety, Peter, as long as oh, no. the, yeah, <laughs> what I would do is use the, the male flower from that same plant and then once it's pollinated, it might be worth putting a, um, you know, sort of brown paper bag or something over it to stop any other pollinating insects coming there to add any further cross-pollination okay i think that, that would be doable or a little bit, a little bit yeah, of yeah, uh, yeah. you know sort of the bag you get from the supermarket with your, your, your onions in something to stop the the uh, the small flies and things getting in there right um, okay and then that will then help to protect and then once the the flower drops off then of course the pollination is complete so excellent then, okay yeah so it's only what it's probably not even three or four days that takes that yep. process takes but uh, yeah make sure yeah the the the, uh, the male um, flower is used to, to to pollinate on that plant if you can okay brilliant thanks okay so well i guess we'll see what these eight ball courgettes turn into then uh, it might be quite fun indeed um thinking about the variety peter eight ball i've just checked it is an f1 hybrid <laughs> okay so, and what's that mean that do- doesn't that mean i can't propagate it yeah because it it basically if you take the seed from your wonderful uh, courgettes they won't come true they'll be the second generation so you'll get a mixture of the the parentage of the two plants used okay to that. so maybe i'll get some like oblong shaped courgettes or yeah. maybe a square courgette is well, it, it, you never know <laughs> yeah they, 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 it might not be compact it might be a very vigorous bush variety so there is probably yeah so if it's an okay. f1 unfortunately we can't but however and it is a I'm so those who grow non-f1 courgettes oh, yes open pollinated ones they're they're this fine. is how you can you know, yeah. save the seed. But. Save the seed yeah. <laughs> Just like how those wonderful people at Garden Organics obviously preserve their heirloom varieties, of course. Okay, yeah. yeah so it helps That's to it. get an understanding that it is a, a process. But F1s, I'm afraid, just mean you've got to survive a packet of seeds. Pieces, Buy another packet next year. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. never mind. <laughs> it was worth a, worth a chat. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And what else you got for us to do then, Chris? Right, so uh, houseplants. Um, yep. Yeah, we're in, obviously, July, lovely temperatures, so name me time to give them a bit of a holiday outside. However, okay. a word of warning, um, make sure you put your houseplants in a nice shady bit of the garden. The temptation is to put them in full, full sun. sun. Yeah, they're not used to that, they're, are they? They're not. They'll get scorched really badly. Uh, I did that. I have to say I put my hand up. Um, I did that with a, a banana plant, put it out in the full sun, it, and it's bleached a couple of the leaves. The plant, the oh, new dear. leaves are fine. Okay. However, the... The, 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 the very, old ones are... They're, they're, they're unfortunately... Gone a bit very, yellow. Very yellow, yeah. Very, yeah, very papery colour. Oh, so, yes, yeah, they'll scorch. So, yeah, and obviously keep the feed going. I feed them, obviously, regularly once a week they're going to be outside so they're probably going to dry out quicker than being inside yep uh so keep the liquid feed going again if it's a flowering house plant yeah a bit of a tomato feed if it's a green plant then obviously some like baby bio or baby bio organic fertilizer so that's a good thing to be doing and, and, and enjoy your plants outdoors if you're outside enjoying your the sunshine let, let your plants do the same definitely um, and then a bit of pruning peter um especially if you've got wisteria um and it's been quite a good spring for wisteria. Well, the, yeah, my neighbours you know, got must be six, eight inches thick. The trunk I yeah. mean, it's, it's, oh, it's on wow. a really old house, so I mm. wonder whether it was planted by the original owners back in, say, the nineteen hundreds, nineteen thirties. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, that that one did well this year. There, yeah. There's some good flowers on that. That's good. So all that whippy growth, because obviously when a, a, a wisteria finishes flowering, you get all this explosion of growth, don't you? Yeah, everywhere. yeah they send out all... like little tendrils. Yeah, they, they're quite fun. Yeah, so those basically you just follow back to the main stem to five or six leaves and you just trim back. And yep. that then stimulates all the stem you leave going back to those five or six leaves. That's where you'll get your new flower next year. So ah. the process has to start now because obviously you've got to tell the plant that's what you want it to do so by taking all those whippy growths back and it's not hard and fast if you you know you don't account five or six as long as you you're cutting back and you're leaving sort of a short stump of of stems that is absolutely sufficient for that's the all it needs that's and then all, it'll yeah. flower even better next year that's it yeah and if you've got it grow if you've got a wisteria in a pot like i have i've got uh, amethyst falls which is a lovely compact variety which is still in flower um okay. flowers just holding on as we we come out of june into july uh give that a bit of tomato feed as well if you've got a young plant give it a feed because they want to put a lot of growth on a lot of people say oh how long is a wisteria going to take to flower if you're buying a young plant well you've got to create the structure a bit like a grapevine isn't it you've got to create those stems and uh rods and things in place so it's the same with a, a wisteria so all worth doing um and then other prunings obviously anything which is flowered through the month of june things like spireas and yjeers and mock orange philadelphus which have been glorious again this year they can be hacked back and you can hack back quite substantially because they've got all the summer then to recover okay yeah and uh, as you know, the adage is if you feed, if you do any any pruning, always balance it with a bit of a feed. So a bit of vitamin Q4 water. or something yeah, like make that. Make sure it's well looked after for the next following weeks. That's it? it. Yeah, a bit of water too if it's a bit dry. Mm. And ponds, if, you've, if you're fortunate enough to have a nice garden pond, mm. I guess, um, well, possibly it could have been done last month or the month before, but barley straw, that's mm. always a good addition in small quantities just as a natural herbicide to keep on top of the blanket weed it, it doesn't happen instantly it takes a sort of good three four weeks before it starts breaking down enough to release release the enzymes that work as the natural anti-algae treatment um but just thinking so this time whilst it's so hot the oxygen levels obviously fall in the pond as the temperature rises so if you can put a, something like a fountain in in the summer months that's always a good way to oxygenate the water and keep the fish nice and happy and also topping up the water obviously it, water evaporates and that actually concentrates all the nutrients and um sort of muck in the pond down a bit so it's always a good good tip to just to do some partial water changes and always if you're going to do a water change with tap water Put some dechlorinator in before, uh, with the water you're treating because you, you know, chlorine and tap water keeps it lovely and sterile, but it doesn't do the fish much good. Um, but even better, if you've got some left, some rainwater from the, the water butts is perfect for doing a water change. But yeah, I think ponds this time of the year, just try and sort of keep them freshed up and top, uh, top them up. And um, obviously don't overfeed your fish because, again, that's a big source of nutrients going into the water. Uh, Peter, is it, is it still time to put in some marginal plants and oxygenators? Are we still in that sort of time or is it getting a little bit late? Yeah, I mean, selection? things like Myriophyllum and, um, yeah, I mean, some of the... Uh, you, you can put plants in at any yep. time in the year. I mean, yep. some people 
put Canadian pond weed in their ponds. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that can grow <laughs> to a bit of a, yeah, uh, take the, the pond over yeah. um, if you're not careful. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think pond plants, obviously in the spring, you've got some lovely flowering plants mm. that go, it always to remind me, oh yeah, time, uh, spring must be in yeah, in the old. air. Um, yeah. But it, I think same with lilies, they yeah. should be well and truly sort of on the surface with their leaves now mm-hmm. um, and hopefully coming into flower I'd have thought I suppose they're going to so give some nice bit of shade then aren't yeah, they as that, well which is lilies are great for giving yeah, you yeah, some yeah, yeah. surface coverage surface, yeah. and as do pomegeesons which mm-hmm. are another sort of flowering plant that, mm-hmm. that gives you some nice surface cover but Perfect. Yeah, yeah, I think anything, anything like that uh, um, yeah. just keep an eye on lilies mm-hmm. make sure you don't put a uh, nymphia alba in a three foot by three foot <laughs> pond because no, <laughs> you won't have any water big, yeah. left it'll just take over the pond <laughs> and but. i've noticed piece as well we've got some really nice sort of solar uh, powered fountains now on the garden yes. self-contained I, I was really impressed there's a little uh, little uh, mill one which was rattling mm, around it's as quite I, fun isn't it it's yeah great, they're, they're yeah. all from smart garden i think mm. and um yeah. there's some nice little water features there yeah. and yeah the it like you say nice to see them the solar sort of category mm. finally catching up yeah. and taking off and um, makes it so much easier for wiring as it well. Is, yeah. Obviously, and, and, you don't want to run a wire out into the middle of your courtyard to put a that was definitely water not. feature <laughs> in, but now you yeah. can just put your yeah. water feature out there and put the yeah. solar pa- panel yeah. in towards the sun. Mm. So and the technology is improving all the time, isn't mm. it? The, the well, yeah, the they've panels. got some, yeah. quite a good sort of water flow coming yeah. out of them now very, as well. Very it's great. Yeah, it's good. And I suppose also um, when we're talking about uh, watering, um, sweet peas, of course, mm. um, they need an awful lot of water. Mine forever, I'm a, well, every night I'm giving them a, a good drink. And obviously the sink, secret with sweet peas, of course, is to, to keep them being cut. You know, you need to keep them trimmed and harvested so you can bring some nice ones into the house, but also yep. to stop them producing seeds. So we mentioned even if the seeds you want the plant to produce for, for, for keeping from year to year, you will take a lot of energy out of the plant if you do that. So okay. yeah, lots of trimming on those as well. And uh, I suppose, yeah, as you as we've had obviously a late spring and that people have been planting a lot later through, uh, just through May, June and now into the month of July, just making sure that all those new plants are, are well watered too and mm. try and do it. Well, I know we've had, we had a chat, didn't we? Um, I think it was with Jekham Vicar about when's the best time to water and I think uh, it was always a bit of a split debate. Was it in the early well, morning? Well, yeah, she or? likes first thing in the morning, yes. doesn't she? And mm. uh, I must say, this year down the allotment, just because time of day, yeah. uh, when I get sort of free half an hour tends to be in the evening and because it's just been so dry recently I've been watering in the evening and Mm. in the morning and the thing that I've noticed is if you put some water on in the evening Mm -hmm. and then do it again in the morning there seems to be a lot more water about still in the soil whereas if you water in the morning and then come back to the evening it's all dried out so So, yeah I guess maybe watering in the morning is better because Mm. it gives the plants that water before it all dries out that's right yeah i think it's, it's, it's just getting that balance right isn't it and, and mm. needs as well of, of, of each individual plants um certainly on one of my, my patios that yeah it, obviously in full sun you know south facing you know plants need probably watering twice a day at this time of the year once mm. we're into the month of july well certainly patio mm. uh, patios with pots mm. where they're getting really warm same as my hanging baskets yeah 
once a day at least, mm-hmm. if not twice a day sometimes, Indeed. and if it's really a hot day and yep. a, a sort of gentle breeze, it just dries everything out. Indeed, but yes. And I have to say, uh, Peter, I was, um, this week uh, I've had the, the dreadful um, moth caterpillars affected one of my topiary box. Uh, okay. Absolutely despair. And over the course of four days, it's completely removed half the foliage. Um, oh. So I've been removing these little... Little pesky caterpillars, and um, obviously using a, a, a basic caterpillar killer to see if I can control them. But my word, it they comes, do cause they devastation, do. don't they, do. they? They do. So, and that's even with my, my moth traps in place as well. So that's not not quite worked to to plan. But uh, I'm just keeping a good eye on the rest of my my, my box in the the rest of the garden now. So yeah, keep an eye out for box uh, caterpillar and try defensively do something if you can. Okay. And just thinking about sort of spiders' webs, and I spotted a bit of hedging um, on my way home the other day. That's mm. it must be a good couple of meters. That looks like it's absolutely it's defoliated. It looks like a Halloween display. It's, right. I, I've never seen anything quite so pronounced. Where the the hedge looks in terrible condition mm. and sort of just spiders' webs all over it. And uh, I've taken a photo which is on the. Show notes. So, if you want to have a look at it, but uh, we'll we'll identify that. Yeah, and put, uh, hopefully sort of discuss that um, on uh, on the show notes. Yes, and that's sort of course. But there is a lot of problems at the moment with with caterpillars, and of course, the moth which come from there, or the, or the butterflies too. So, some plants are very vulnerable, and obviously, a lot of the native species are. Some of the privet varieties are as well peter okay. so yeah we'll, we'll do an ident and we'll get that uh, pop, 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 and pop we can get a picture of your box as well and sadly uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll try and find a good side but yeah. <laughs> I think there's going to be one unfortunately and do you think it'll come back to life if you kill all the caterpillars I'm, and get I'm, rid of it i'm going to give it a good go so it's excellent um, yeah, okay yeah, so it's not good. game over quite well, yet certainly not, no, it'll get Brilliant. lots of feed lots of tlc and uh, a big banners keeping out the the, <laughs> the moths as well which i suspect are going to be in the garden now that's the worry if you've got the caterpillars then what follows is, of course, the adults, which obviously move around, and that's the concern yep. now. Yeah. That's yep. And vegetables. What, what should I be doing with my runner beans? Yes, Chris? so once they eventually do get to the top, and of course this season has been quite late, hasn't it? Well, so yep. once you've persuaded them to go up to the top again, yeah, take the growing tips out. Okay. So all the energy then goes into those sort of side shoots as you as you look down the plant, which of course carry your lovely, uh, well, that's red, where all the flowers are. Flowers. Yeah, so yeah, because normally I just grow them up and along, and then down the next cane. Yeah. I always thought that was quite clever, but yeah. yeah, I guess getting more crop out of them is actually what I really want. So yeah, yeah shot, you're, 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 focu- the yeah out. you're focusing the energy, and you do that obviously with tomatoes. Once we get into the month of August, next month, uh, then you start to think about that. But at the moment, of course, you you just tying in your plants, and that's what it's about this time of the year, really training your stock so you're getting them you know obviously nice and upright and obviously opening the, the plants out so maximum light can get to the, the flowers which are forming on your on your tomatoes as well and obviously yeah it goes without saying keep the water flowing and uh, yeah a bit of comfrey tea perhaps on the on the, mm. on the, on the yeah, yeah, my comfrey is doing really well has it, has it you, flowered, you flowered yes no it's um I say about foot tall now. Oh, okay. um, right. I still need to get them out of the pots that you. Oh, can. right. That <laughs> they're, might they're still in one litre pots, but they're doing well in them, Chris. Good, and they good. haven't dried out yet. Yeah. So what you could do then is, uh, yeah, once you put them in, yeah, let them put a big flush of growth on, and you might get some sufficient leaves then to make some comfrey tea this this later on this summer. Okay, they'll give you yeah, a nice yeah. bit of stock for 
later on this summer or, or next year. Well, I've, I've still, yeah, my plan was to get my bulbs that, um, oh, you, great news, Chris, great news. What's flowering? My daffodils flowered Fantastic. on the 2nd of June. Right, okay. I, I thought Only that was pretty impressive to have. Very late. <laughs> Or very da- early. <laughs> <laughs> but I, was, I was dead chuffed. I was like, finally, they flowered. Wow, that's but, very yeah, strange. That's um, really bizarre. The, snow well, that- dro- uh, the snowdrops and the bluebells, oh, I've given up with them. No, that's next year, I think. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but fun. yeah, basically, the plan was to get my lasagna planted pots mm-hmm. uh, uh, down the allotment, and yep. I'm going to plant them in the, in the bottom of the allotment, good. and good, then good, I was going to put the comfrey yeah. in with them, yeah. so make a sort of little bit of a flowering and yeah, vegetative of- patch down there. Perfect, so. yeah, no, they're, they're good. And I noticed in my, around my uh my veggie area. I've got lots of borage coming up this year, which are going to uh, self seeded. Yep. So borage is another plant. Obviously, you don't make uh, comfrey from that, but you obviously well, you can make tea, can't to, you? You can use the yeah, you can but make proper tea. tea. Yeah, 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 and it's got nice blue flowers. I know the bees love it they because love it. We, it grows sort of wild in the field here, doesn't mm, it? It's a fantastic plant. The bees yeah. love it. Yeah. Mm. So uh, if you yeah, and if you get some seeds of borage, you can sow those now through this month to get some nice stocky plants for for next year. Um, okay, they're, they're quite resilient as well. And talking about seed sowing, it's biennial seed sowing time now, Peter. So that's yeah. Your, well, think about wallflowers, um, uh, yeah, honesty, uh, lunaria, yep. sweet William, and of course, forget me not. So, okay. um, yeah, go with those. I did. I did some foxgloves a couple of weeks ago. Actually, they're now ready for pricking out. Okay, they move very very quickly at this time of year. Yeah, actually, it's a matter of keeping them cool. If you like in your greenhouse, it's just a bit too hot. Yeah. So once they've germinated, give them lots of light, and then get them moved into pots or into cell trays, uh, root trainers, whatever you've got handy. Yep. And get some nice, you know, stocky plants then for planting later on in the year. But uh, good, good, good time to do it. And it's the thing we tend to miss out. And I, I always think it's a bit of a shame because it's they 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 germinate so easily. You don't need any special propagating equipment or temperatures. They they you know they, they off prop- they go. Yeah, yeah put them in the yeah. compost and off That's they go. It. Yeah, mm. yeah. Good stuff. Okay, and I guess the last thing we need to discuss is Christmas. Yes, is it too early to talk about Christmas? No, of course no. not. Well, hopefully, it's about I'll, vegetables, isn't it? It Chris? is. And, yeah, and yeah. What What do we need to think about planting? So this time of the year, the month of July into August, is potato planting time. So yeah. these are varieties. These are first early varieties which you would uh, plant into pots, grow quite quickly in pots and then bring into your greenhouse coal frame porch so they can extendedly grow until sort of October to be able to harvest some nice new potatoes for Christmas Day. So that's always a challenge. It's always a good challenge to do. So uh, look out for those in the the garden centre. In the garden centre. And I guess, can I still get away with putting my Brussels sprouts in that I haven't got around to planting? Absolutely fine, yes. Brussels, a lot of the the, the winter brassicas can go in over the next uh, two or three weeks. Okay, brilliant. I'd better get get them planted then, hadn't Mm. I? Good stuff. Nice one. Okay, Chris, well, thank you very much for all those tips and... Telling us what's been going on. Absolute pleasure. I'm looking forward to the rest of summer now and enjoying this wonderful sunshine. Brilliant. Good stuff. Today's show was brought to you by Buckingham Garden Centre and Nurseries. The show was hosted by Chris Day and Peter Brown. The show was produced by Peter Brown. And our thanks to Chilton Music Therapy for providing the music. Thanks for listening. At Chilton Music Therapy, we want everyone to know the difference that music can make in their lives. From parents and their premature babies in hospital to grandparents with dementia. 
We provide music therapy and community music services to people of all ages and needs across England. We work both digitally and in person in people's homes, care homes, schools, hospitals and hospices. Find out more at chilternmusictherapy.co.uk.